0: Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Who oh, God remind us that your presence goes with us in all the times of life, always comforting and always calling us. In Christ we pray. Amen. Last Sunday was a very special day. For me, I think the most special part of it wasn't really the the Easter lilies, even though those were great, or the great crowd of folks here, the kids all excited about the Easter egg hunt. No, the thing that was most special to me last Sunday morning was being able to watch the smiles on the faces of Anderson and Jackson and Caden as their family members were baptizing them. That is what will stick with me forever, from last week. I got up later, and, uh, well before that, and I would preached on uh, what Mary Magdalene said about I've seen the Lord, and I could say that last Sunday I could see the Lord, the Lord at work in the life of those three young people. I was pretty wore out when church was over last Sunday. Some of y'all may have picked up on that. But then I got home, got situation on, situated on the couch. I turned on the TV, and the, one of the first things I saw was the report of the bombings of churches and hotels in Sri Lanka. 250-some people killed. Later on, it was determined that the bombings were in retaliation against Christians, for some reason, for the massacre last month of fifty people in mosque in New Zealand. And then of course as David referenced in his prayer, just yesterday a bombing again at the synagogue in San Diego. Then this past Tuesday I went to see my doctor for my follow-up. As I mentioned I received the report that all the cancer was gone. I left that appointment beyond grateful, I texted some people, I called some people even as Beth was driving us home. I got on Facebook that night and kind of announced that I'd actually had this cancer and that the cancer was gone. The next morning I'd gotten up early and I actually wrote a, um, a letter to some big wheel whose email I got um, and, and just named names of how wonderful the people were who cared for me, from the doctor, to the nurses, to the aides, to such and such. Very grateful. But then also, Wednesday morning, after I'd done that, I was talking to a friend of mine who shared with me that her husband, who had had much more intensive, extensive surgery than I did, was not recovering at all from his surgery. Shortly after that, I was on the phone talking to a buddy of mine, a minister in Texas, and he was telling me how his uh, wife, who is an alcoholic, had started drinking again. Why do I share all these stories? I share them to illustrate the obvious. As we live our lives, joys will come and sorrows will come. That's how life has always been. That is how life will always be. And as Christians, we're not immune to that. There's not some magic pill that we can take to make all the bad go away in our lives just because we're Christian. As a matter of fact, there might be times when bad things, when hard things happen to us, when wounds come to our lives because we follow In the way of Jesus. I'd also like to suggest that there might be times in life when we will have doubts. When we ask ourselves, why do we even bother? Our text today begins on the evening of that first Easter. Mary Magdalene had come to the disciples with her report that she had seen the Lord. Now we don't know how the disciples reacted to what Mary had to say that evening... But we do know that they're still very afraid because they are behind locked doors. It says they were in fear of the Jews. They were in fear of the religious leaders and the political leaders who had killed Jesus. And perhaps they were going to come after these followers of Jesus too. Behind locked doors in fear. And then right into that fear comes Jesus. The first words he says to these fearful followers... Are words of peace. Peace be with you. Peace. The the Greek is erinata. Well, it's just a Greek word. And the Hebrew is the word shalom, which perhaps we've heard of. And that word peace isn't just the absence of conflict, peace in the sense of wholeness and fullness. The opposite of peace is fear, because fear tears us apart. Jesus came to speak away the fear. And for good measure, he will say it again in the next verse. And in between sharing of peace, Jesus shows them his hands and his side. In other words, he showed them his scars, his wounds. What might we say about these wounds? There's a lot of talk about the the wounds, the scars of Jesus among commentators over the centuries. One idea is uh, makes sense is that these scars were there because people would recognize the disciples and realize that that was Jesus because they had seen him be nailed in the hands and in the feet and a spear stuck in his side. It's also a reminder of this: that even in the life of the resurrection, we will carry wounds with us. We will carry scars. For us now, who are, are living as people raised in Christ, we still carry scars in life. Some of those scars that we have in life will be what happens to anybody: illness, broken relationships, dreams, and and and, and shattered. But there'll also be scars like those that Jesus carried, scars that come because of the way he lived. Why did Jesus end up with those scars, those wounds? Because of the way he lived, because of the way he loved, following in the way of God, proclaiming and living out the kingdom of God, which ran totally against the kingdoms of this world. And the kingdoms of this world put Jesus to death by nailing him to a cross. Some scars will come to us because we follow Jesus. I came across a prayer a few weeks ago. I'd like to read it. And I want to read it to illustrate how living in the way of Jesus can call us to live lives other than how we might want to live them. Lives that might bring wounds to our lives. It's from a Methodist minister whose name is Bishop Woody White. And here's the prayer. And now, may the Lord torment you. May the Lord keep before you the faces of the hungry, the lonely, the rejected, and the despised. May the Lord afflict you with pain for the hurt, the wounded, the oppressed, the abused, the victims of violence. May God grace you with agony, a burning thirst for justice and righteousness, May the Lord give you courage and strength and compassion to make ours a better world, to make your community a better community, to make your church a better church. May you do your best to make it so, and after you have done your best, may the Lord grant you peace. Later on in our reading, Jesus talks about, calls on the disciples to believe. To believe, for them to believe and those like us later on to believe. And when Jesus talks about believing in Him, Jesus isn't talking about some, some abstract affirmation of a faith where you, you say some sort of a prayer and you're in, or, or if you say this, this, and this about Jesus, then you're okay with God now. To believe in Jesus is to be invited into relationship with Him, a relationship based in trust a relationship of trust in which we step out in faith to follow Him. And as we step out in trust to follow Him, we will be led to love others as Jesus did. We will be led to love in a way as this prayer that I just read speaks of. And in living such a way, there will be wounds. There will be fear but there will also be the presence of the risen Christ sharing peace. But there's something else that happens at times when we do seek to follow in the way of Jesus. Not only will fears come and scars and wounds come, we might also have doubts. I mean just consider again that prayer that I read. It's talking about being involved in the lives of those who are hungry and lonely and such and being pained by the pain of those who live abused and oppressed in lives of violence. And speaking of victims of violence, today is the third year in a row, I think, when we have lifted up what is called Blue Sunday, the last Sunday of April, April being the uh, the month where we there's Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month. Now, usually I try to do up an insert to remind us of the reality and the presence of Uh, child abuse in our community, but, well this week I I didn't get to. But I do want to share one stat that I did come across. In a report from 2017, our state of Kentucky had the second highest rate of child abuse cases, 19 cases out of a thousand children, in the entire nation. Second place, and that's not a place we want to be. Instead of reading more stats, I'd like to share this. A few weeks ago, I I heard a report on the news that um, the um, Catholic diocese in Owensboro had released the names of like a dozen priests who had been credibly accused of, of child abuse. I have a good friend here in town who is Catholic, went to the Catholic high school in Owensboro. I texted her and asked her if she knew any of these people, these priests. She told me that two of those priests had been very close to her grandparents. One of them had been an associate priest in in the church that she grew up in. Another one was her high school principal that everybody loved. You know, I read things like that, hear things like that, and i got to be honest, sometimes my thoughts go to, why even bother? What difference does it make to really pour out your heart in ways? And then you see even the supposed leaders of the church, and I read comments from, from nationally known ministers, especially one whose name I won't say, but whose father was a very well-respected international minister, I read the hate that flies from his mouth. And I know that those are not words from God because God is a God of love. He's not a God of hate. But so many Christians think this guy is just the greatest. And it tempts me so much to just throw up my hands and really just care about my bulldogs and my braves and the heck with the rest of it. Just forget about trying to lift up a way of Jesus is just the opposite of what this guy says. I wrestle with doubts. Perhaps you do too. Kind of like Thomas. See, Thomas could not believe that he could see proof of the resurrection. And man, I sure would love to see proof of the resurrection sometimes. And if you think doubting is wrong, I I will disagree with you. See, some say that the opposite of faith is doubt. No, the opposite of faith is certainty. You see, when we are certain, we know. We even know the ways and the desires of God when we are certain. And of course, the ways and desires of God, interestingly enough, match up with our own ways and desires and views on things. And with the certainty of knowing that God is on our side, it's not long before we're ready to go down a path that points out to those who are not of God. They're not of us. And with God firmly on our side, we also know that God must bless us when we hate and we seek to get rid of those who are other than we are. You see, when we act out of certainty... The temptation is strong to act in ways other than the way of Jesus. That's why I think doubt is so much better than certainty. And notice that in the story of Thomas that week um, before he would actually see Jesus, when he was with the other disciples who had seen Jesus. We don't read exactly what happens, but they didn't kick him out. He was still there among them. And when Jesus appeared to him the next week, Jesus didn't rebuke him. Instead, he invited Thomas to believe, to trust, to follow. And then Jesus finished by saying, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. Jesus ends by pronouncing his blessings on those who will not see, but believe. Believe without seeing and knowing for sure. Believe even when the scars and wounds come because we follow in the way of Jesus. And keep on believing and trusting that there will be times when we will see signs of the resurrection of Christ. For me, last Sunday, a sign of the resurrection of Christ were three little young people and the smiles on their face in their baptism. Thanks be to God for the risen Christ. Amen.